Chapter Four of Five Weeks in a Balloon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alexi e. Talander, Davis, California. Five Weeks in a Balloon, or Journeys and Discoveries in Africa by Three Englishmen, by Jules Verne, translated by William Lackland. Chapter Four, African Explorations. Barth, Richardson, Overweg, Verne, Brun Roulet, Penny, Andrea de Bono, Miani, Guillaume, Lejeune, Bruce, Kraff, and Rebman, Maison, Russia, Burton, and Speak. The aerial line which Dr. Ferguson counted upon following had not been chosen at random. His point of departure had been carefully studied, and it was not without good cause that he had resolved to ascend to the island of Zanzibar. This island, lying near to the eastern coast of Africa, is in the sixth degree of south latitude, that is to say, 430 geographical miles below the equator. From this island, the latest expedition, sent by way of the Great Lakes to explore the sources of the Nile, had just set out. But it would be well to indicate what explorations Dr. Ferguson hoped to link together. The two principal ones were those of Dr. Barth in 1849 and of Lieutenants Burton and Speke in 1858. Dr. Barth is a hamburger who obtained permission for himself and for his countrymen overwork to join the expedition of the English Richardson. The latter was charged with a mission in the Sudan. This vast region is situated between the 15th and 10th degrees of north latitude. That is to say that, in order to approach it, the explorer must penetrate 1,500 miles into the interior of Africa. Until then, the country in question had been known only through the journeys of Denham, of Clapperton, and of Odney, made from 1822 to 1824. Richardson, Barth, and Overweg, jealously anxious to push their investigations farther, arrived at Tunis and Tripoli, like their predecessors, and got as far as Murzuk, the capital of Fezzan. They then abandoned the perpendicular line, and made a sharp turn westward toward Ghat, guided with difficulty by the Tuaregs. After a thousand scenes of pillage, of vexation, and attacks by armed forces, their caravan arrived in October at the vast oasis of Asben. Dr. Barth, separated from his companions, made an excursion to the town of Agades, and rejoined the expedition, which resumed its march on the 12th of December. At length it reached the province of Demergu. There the three travellers parted, and Barth took the road to Cano, where he arrived by dint of perseverance, and after paying considerable tribute. In spite of an intense fever, he quitted that place on the 7th of March, accompanied by a single servant. The principal aim of his journey was to reconnoitre Lake Chad, from which he was still three hundred and fifty miles distance. He therefore advanced toward the east, and reached the town of Zuricolo, in the Bornu county, which is the core of the great central empire of Africa. There he heard of the death of Richardson, who had succumbed to fatigue and privation. He next arrived at Kuka, the capital of Bornu, on the borders of the lake. Finally, at the end of three weeks, on the 14th of April, twelve months after having quitted Tripoli, he reached the town of Ungomo, we find him again setting forth on the 29th of March, 1851, with overwork, to visit the kingdom of Adamaoa, to the south of the lake, and from there he pushed on as far as the town of Yola, a little below nine degrees north latitude. This was the extreme southern limit reached by that daring traveller. He returned in the month of August to Kuka. From there he successfully traversed the Mandara, Bargimi, and Klanem countries, and reached his extreme limit in the east, the town of Masena, situated at 17 degrees 20 minutes west longitude. On the 25th of November, 1852, after the death of Overweg, his last companion, he plunged into the west, 
visited Sokoto, crossed the Niger, and finally reached Timbuktu, where he had to languish during eight long months under vexations inflicted upon him by the sheik and all kinds of ill-treatment and wretchedness. But the presence of a Christian in the city could not long be tolerated, and the Fulans threatened to besiege it. The doctor, therefore, left it on the 17th of March, 1854, and fled to the frontier, where he remained for thirty-three days in the most abject destitution. He then managed to get back to Kano in November, thence to Kuka, where he resumed Denon's route after four months' delay. He regained Tripoli toward the close of August, 1855, and arrived in London on the 6th of September, the only survivor of his party. Such was the venturesome journey of Dr. Barth. Dr. Ferguson carefully noted the fact that he had stopped at four degrees north latitude and seventeen degrees west longitude. Now let us see what Lieutenants Burton and Speke accomplished in eastern Africa. The various expeditions that had ascended the Nile could never manage to reach the mysterious source of that river. According to the narrative of the German doctor, Ferdinand Verne, the expedition attempted in 1840, under the auspices of Mehmet Ali, stopped at Gondokoro, between the fourth and fifth parallels of north latitude. In 1855, Brumbule, a native of Savoy, appointed consul for Sardinia in eastern Sudan to take the place of Vaudet, who had just died, set out from Khartoum, and, under the name of Yacoub, the merchant, trading in gums and ivory, got as far as Belenia, beyond the fourth degree, but had to return in ill health to Khartoum, where he died in 1857. Neither Dr. Penny, the head of the Egyptian medical service, who, in a small steamer, penetrated one degree beyond Gondokoro, and then came back to die of exhaustion at Khartoum, nor Miani, the Venetian, who, turning the cataracts below Gondokoro, reached the second parallel, nor the Maltese trader Andrea de Bono, who pushed his journey up the Nile still farther, could work their way beyond the apparently impassable limit. In 1859, M. Gillon Lejeune, entrusted with admission by the French government, reached Khartoum by way of the Red Sea, and embarked upon the Nile with a retinue of twenty-one hired men and twenty soldiers, but he could not get past Gondokoro and ran extreme risk of his life among the Negro tribes, who were in full revolt. The expedition, directed by M. Descaillac de Rotur, made an equally unsuccessful attempt to reach the famous sources of the Nile. This fatal limit invariably brought every traveller to a halt. In ancient times the ambassadors of Nero reached the ninth degree of latitude, but in eighteen centuries only from five to six degrees, or from three hundred to three hundred and sixty geographical miles, were gained. Many travellers endeavoured to reach the sources of the Nile by taking their point of departure on the eastern coast of Africa. Between 1768 and 1772, the Scotch traveller, Bruce, set out from Massoa, a port of Abyssinia, traversed the Tigre, visited the ruins of Aksum, saw the sources of the Nile where they did not exist, and obtained no serious result. In 1844, Dr. Kraff, an Anglican missionary, founded an establishment at Monbaz on the coast of Zangueba, and, in company with the Reverend Dr. Rebman, discovered two mountain ranges three hundred miles from the coast. These were the mountains of Kilimanjaro and Kenya, which Messrs. de Hoglin and Thornton had partly scaled so recently. In 1845, Mazan, the French explorer, disembarked alone at Bagamayo, directly opposite to Zanzibar, and got as far as Deje la Mora, where the chief caused him to be put to death in the most cruel torment. In 1859, in the month of August, the young traveller, Russia, from Hamburg, set out with a caravan of Arab merchants, reached Lake Nyasa, and was there assassinated while he slept. Finally, in 1857, Lieutenants Burton and Speke, 
both officers in the Bengal army, was sent by the London Geographical Society to explore the great African lakes, and on the 17th of June they quitted Zanzibar and plunged directly into the west. After four months of incredible suffering, their baggage having been pillaged, and their attendants beaten and slain, they arrived at Kazeh, a sort of central rendezvous for traders and caravans. They were in the midst of the country of the moon, and there they collected some precious documents concerning the manners, government, religion, fauna, and flora of the region. They next made for the first of the great lakes, the one named Tanganyika, situated between the third and eighth degrees of south latitude. They reached it on the 14th of February, 1858, and visited the various tribes residing on its banks, the most of whom are cannibals. They departed again on the 26th of May, and re-entered Kazeh on the 20th of June. There Burton, who was completely worn out, lay ill for several months, during which time Speke made a push to the northward of more than three hundred miles, going as far as Lake Okarokua, where she came in sight of on the 3rd of August, but he could descry only the opening of it at latitude two degrees thirty minutes. He reached Kazeh on his return on the 20th of August, and, in company with Burton, again took up the route to Zanzibar, where they arrived in the month of March in the following year. These two daring explorers then re-embarked for England, and the Geographical Society of Paris decreed them its annual prize medal. Dr. Ferguson carefully remarked that they had not gone beyond the second degree of south latitude, nor the twenty-ninth degree of east longitude. The problem, therefore, was how to link the explorations of Burton and Speke with those of Dr. Barth, since to do so was to undertake the traverse an extent of more than twelve degrees of territory. End of chapter 4 of Five Weeks in a Balloon Recording by Alexi Talander, Davis, California www.alexitalander.com